It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM. Hello and welcome to Moment of Truth. It's a Christmas Eve special on Moment of Truth. And you're listening to uh, 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice. Of course, you can always go to our website at ELMNTFM.ca and listen there as well. I'm your host, David Moses, and on tonight's show, we are going to be uh, joined by music enthusiast, industry insider, and social media guru, Eric Alper. He's the host of That Eric Alper Show. And uh, then you're going to meet Toronto's well-known, well-loved Arab-Canadian comedy duo, Miriam Toller and Rola Saeed, and their hilarious original holiday hit, Arab ladies sing Christmas carols written by Jews. You don't want to miss that, so stay tuned. But first, we'd like to welcome back to the show Dr. Norma Dunning. She is an Inuit grandmother, writer, scholar, researcher, and professor at the University of Alberta. Norma's author of the award-winning collection of Annie Maktuk and Other Stories, as well as the upcoming book, Dania, The Unseen Ones. And that's going to be out in February of 2021. So, Norma, welcome to the show. Thank you, David, and thank you for inviting me back. It's very kind of you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's something in the way you said that. Maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> But first, you know, a little bit about you. you. You were on the show, of course, earlier this year, and we were discussing the article that uh, you'd written in Edmonton, finally dropping the name, the racist name. And, the, and uh, may, uh, you said, may my grandchildren never hear the E word again. Unfortunately, the slur is hard to escape during the holiday season with two of the biggest and most recorded songs being, of course, uh, Walking in a Winter Wonderland and Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. And um, it, just for the sake of, of clarity, the, the E word we're talking about is Eskimo, uh, a slang term uh, to the Inuit. Uh, and Norma, you're here to talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, and away we go again with another, uh, you know, another controversy mm. in a sense. Um, people will always fall back on, you know, their own concepts of what tradition is. Mm. And that's generally the argument that arrives whenever the E word comes out to play. It, there's always that, um, you know, this is a song that we listened to growing up and mm. And then it's always the fallback of, well, you have to look at the context and the time that that song was written in and, uh, you know, and consider what society was like at that time. However, yeah. those arguments do not wash with me and they don't because nobody ever really examines what Indigenous people conceive to be racist words. Mm. And, um, and it's almost like in, in our society still, that we can say words like Eskimo and think that, well, you know, it's just, just a word. It's just a word. Or it's a, a word that brings, you know, thoughts of happy people. 
And I always think that, you know, those kind of conceptions could not be further from the truth. So I think, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if they changed out the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, instead of uh, dressed in Eskimo clothes, why can't people be dressed in winter clothes? You know, you know, you know as, you were, as you were saying that, just as you were talking, I wrote down some lyrics that could be used. People dressed up from head to toe. Why not just say that? Yeah, something so simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't know if if it becomes very problematic to do a remix mm. <laughs> with uh, you know with other people's voices at <laughs> parts in the in the song. I have no idea. Well, but, uh, you know, you know what they do in, in other uh, songs, popular songs these days. When when somebody uses the f bomb, they just bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be great if you just. Bleeping out that E word. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's true uh, because these are these are songs that are written um, and they are copywritten. So, in order to change the words, uh, it's an issue, right? Well, yeah, yeah, and you know, then it becomes a fairly. It can, it could become like realistically, it could based on copyright law, it could become something very problematic. Right. But we also live in a time where people update songs and redo covers over sure. and over and over. Oh yeah. And um, so why can't this one be taken up by a singer, you know, and just do a little bit of a twist on it? Mm-hmm. So. So, you know, like, I, I think it's that you can, you can change it out. You can turn it into something a little more current. You know, we can update music. Yes. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, it, it would be worth uh, examining to see if if an artist is, is able to do that, to change one word in a song, because that's what we're talking about, one word. Um, it would be nice if there was an Inuit singer. Yeah. Who did something like that? That'd be great. Absolutely. And we have one of our own right here in Canada that's very popular, don't we? Yes. You know, and so it's um it's a possibility, you know, it's people having to stretch their imagination a little. Right. Do we know, Norma, do you know where this word originated from? Do you, I'm, I'm afraid I don't know that history. Oh, David, you know, I think I've been asked that question about four or five million times. <laughs> <laughs> and so people always come up with something different, or you read these standardized uh, texts whereby, you know, that word is supposed to mean eaters of raw meat or one who ties snowshoes, something to that effect. Mm. But when, you know, when we look at the origin of a a word and we look at those old anthropological people who are no longer with us Mm. and no longer have to deal with the language they created, I think that, um, you know, it isn't so much about the origin of the word, but uh, it has more to do with how do the people call themselves? Right. And that's what should be respected. Yeah, absolutely, it should be. You know, and all it takes, I was um, I was 
goofed around on the old Googles the other day and um, came across a couple of blogs and where whereby the name of the blog makes use of the E word. Mm. And, you know, all it ever takes, David, is to have one Inuit person say, that doesn't bother me. Right. So what we're talking about then is somebody stating a personal opinion who isn't looking further, like yes. beyond themselves. Right. And I think that's where we always have to look as Indigenous people and as Indigenous people who you know, have a little bit of disability. It's not about us. It's about the next generation right. and what we're going to have to deal with. And so is that word Eskimo okay? Is it okay to be saying 10 years from now or 20 years from now, even though we, you know, we have fought against having a football team with that name? And that was a long, long battle. Yeah. And um, so, so when I see that, and that's all it ever, ever takes, is for one Inuit person in the world to say, yeah, I got no problem with that. And it's too bad. It's too bad because we have to think beyond our own opinion and we have to think beyond our own noses, you know, at the end of it all. Well, Norma, it's really interesting what you just said there because when, as you say, one person uh, says, yes, that doesn't bother me, and it's a personal a personal uh, interpretation, as you said, it's their interpretation, that doesn't bother me, but... When they say that, it gets taken in the in the the context of of the entire uh, population, and then when that is taken outside of its context, but used by a, a non-indigenous person, perhaps to back up their their side of things, all of a sudden it becomes the the norm or the used comment to say, "Well, see, it's okay," because you know this person says it's okay. That happens all the time yeah. in media, though, David. It yes. happens all the time. Yes. And all media ever needs is that one person who says, oh, I don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, we should be talking about bigger problems. And there right. was a time when I said we should be talking about bigger problems. But for myself, it's because I know those statistics that Inuit Canadians are up against mm. every minute that they breathe. Mm. And so it's, um, it's very simple. It's very, you know, it's, it's almost like I don't understand how people think they've solidified their argument because one person said, eh, I don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, what I always hope is that mainstream recognizes that that is one person's personal opinion. It doesn't represent everyone. I wrote a poem recently, and one of the lines was, Inuit are Canada's biggest afterthought. And we really are. Our population is so small in comparison to First Nations or Métis peoples in Canada. And I think, you know, because of that small uh, population, our, you know, our disparities as Inuit Canadians are not broadly known. Mm -hmm. And a part of that, I think, has to do with how government operates, 
and you know how how in Canada we're just so good at keeping all of our dirt under the rug. We're mm. very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's um people don't want to talk about racism. They don't want right. to examine their own sense of racism and they don't want to hear how Inuit Canadians, you know, we we have we lead in all the statistics that nobody else wants. We get to be first in teen suicide, food scarcity, poverty, overcrowded housing, tuberculosis, mm. something that is not in the south. Right. We still get to have it in the north. And so I think, you know, the people um it's easier maybe to talk about the word Eskimo than to talk about the reality of the Inuit lives in our country. Mm. Yeah, interesting, interesting comment. Norma, on, on the plus side, we have had, as you say, we've had um, a team that has, has decided to not to use the word anymore in their name, and it will be changing it. Yes, that's, uh, that was good news. And, um, you know, and I think their biggest motivator were sponsors who said, yeah, you know, that's enough. We've had, an, you know, we're talking about this over and over. Right. Let's stop talking about this. So I think if money talks, well, that's fine. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> True <laughs> enough. True enough. <laughs> well, you know, and the other thing there is that this may be a stepping stone towards having people look at the bigger picture and say, well, maybe it's time to do something about these songs as well and, and change the wording and update them. I would like that. I would like to, you know, why doesn't somebody take that song and just wrap it out or just, just you know, move it, move around some of the notes and the words? You know, we can reinvent tradition you know so we don't have to stay in the in the the past of that word eskimo and what it generates and uh you know that word it it keeps inuit people in that uh, conceptions of long ago that we're always standing at a sealed breathing hole like that's all we do it's it's as though we don't get up in the morning and go to Tim Hortons or go to university or teach at a university or practice law. And, but we do, but, and we can take that one word though. And that, that takes all the accomplishments that Inuit Canadians have managed to be successful with, and it turns it all back into long ago. So it's, um, for me, that that's the hard part of that word. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the physical environment even of Canada is changing, you know, based on uh, the climate change. I mean, uh, this this time of year used to be Canada was covered in snow. Uh, right and 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 a, and a deep level of it, uh, and uh, nowadays uh, we don't see the same kind of winter we even used to see. No, we don't. We don't, and um, we have to be so. I think we have to be so much more aware of it. It's almost as though environment environmentalism has. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people turn them as soon as they hear that word climate change, those two words, mm. it's 
if they shut down. And I think there's a lot of people in our country who still think that way. Mm. And we have to really think about the earth and mm. and we are stewards. We yes. are stewards of the land, all of us, you know, and we have to take on that responsibility. Yes. I guess I was making that comparison because just like the we're asking these songs to be looked at and maybe updated, uh, the weather around us has changed and uh, is being affected as well. So uh, everything is in flux around us. Uh, maybe these songs can also be changed in that regard. Uh, Norma, you have uh, a new book coming out in in the spring. Is there anything you want to tell us about that, Dania, the Unseen Ones? It is, it is a collection, my second collection of short stories. <laughs> and it is all Inuit who live in the South. That was very intentional on mm. my part. Mm-hmm. Because about 48% of our Inuit population in Canada live outside of the land claim areas that we are beneficiaries of. Mm. And so I spend a lot of time talking about Inuit identity and how does that work when we're in the South and we fall out of, you know, what is considered the norm of mm. Inuit Canadians should be. It was, um, it's a collection that took me about a year and a half to write and I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun with all the all the characters that I created. And after that book, I have a book also with Douglas and McIntyre on the Eskimo Identification Canada system that will be coming out in 2022. So it's um, I've had a, a good a good run on publishing lately. <laughs> so mm. I've been very pleased. I've been very honored with the. Um, publishing houses that have taken up my work, taken up my prose poetry, and I've just been—I think I'm just so grateful mm. to, you know. Right, uh, Norma. It's been a pleasure speaking with you once again and getting an update on uh, the holiday season to some degree about the songs that are represented at this time of year. Some beautiful ones, uh, but also in within that beauty, we know of at least a few that that carry words that uh, are not are not representative and don't represent and don't represent uh, necessarily the Inuit well. And uh, so we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about that today. Well, thank you, David. Have a, and Happy New Year. Well, thank you, and same to talk you. <laughs> and, and I'm sure we'll be talking in the, in the new year at some point. Oh, okay. All right, well, you take care, and, and uh, happy holidays to you. That's uh, Dr. Norma Dunning. She's an Inuit grandmother, writer, scholar, researcher, and professor at the University of Alberta and uh, an award-winning author of a collection of Annie Muktuk and other stories. And as we said, she's got a new one coming out in February, Denia, the Unseen Ones. We just heard her talking about that. It's been a pleasure to have her on the show once again. Uh, talking about uh, Christmas carols, in particular those that uh, reference the E-word, which uh, for the Inuit uh, and many uh, Inuit, uh, is, is, is not one that they care to be associated with or like to be um, like it used. All right, don't go away, because coming up right after the break, we have Mr. Eric Alper on deck. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, element. 
Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That, of course, is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and then type in one of those two coordinates, as well as ELMNTFM, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a great pleasure to welcome back to the show. Mr. Eric Alper is here with us, and it's a pleasure to welcome him to the show. Now, it's that Eric Alper. If you're online and you see uh, Eric Alper's name out there in social media uh, circles, uh, he's, he's big on Twitter, he's big on Facebook, he's big in, in so many other different ways, uh, big in the promotion of, of artists and music. Uh, Eric, it is a pleasure to have you here and a pleasure to speak to you finally. How you doing, man? Everything's yeah. all right. I hope everything's good in your world. You know, it, it is as best as it can be considering the situation we're in. Why? What what situation is in? What's everybody <laughs> talking about? What's, what's going on? I mean, look, I haven't left my house in three years. I, I have no idea what's happening. I, I, is it December? Is, are we still in 2020? I have no idea anymore. Exactly. All those questions and more. And thank you for the segue into what we are talking about today with you. And that is, of course, holiday songs. You know, I, I, we were talking here at the station, of course. And, and as we all know, you know, I guess one of the one of the biggest songs that has been in the news in terms of is it appropriate? Uh, and it's been it's been banned in a couple of those uh, areas. And that, of course, is Baby, It's Cold Outside because of the lyrics of that song. Yeah, you know, this is a real interesting one because it never it never had controversy up until the last couple of years. Mm. And and one of the big reasons, of course, is the whole Me Too movement um, and bringing um, sexual assault and date rape into Mm -hmm. the forefront of the conversations. And and this is um, it doesn't mean that suddenly it's good or bad. It's language and language shifts language mm. changes meanings change mm. and it we you know words matter but they the the same word can mean something 25 years ago or even 50 years ago mm-hmm. um as it does now you know when it comes to to baby it's cold outside you know uh, it allowed people to take a real hard look at those lyrics and and it, it's easy to kind of gloss over um you know, the the terrifying lyrics now when you have, you know, a man and a woman kind of a little bit, not necessarily fighting, but pleading um, from the man, you know, to not go outside, you know, and with the woman saying, I really can't stay, mm-hmm. you know, and then he responds with, but baby, it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. And she said, I've got to get away, but baby, it's cold outside. As if being cold is the only reason to make somebody stay mm-hmm. over potential situation Mm -hmm. um the writer's estate um have came out and said it's not that at all we're all reading and looking too much into it but who's to deny somebody's thoughts and feelings um on how they see the song now and and Mm -hmm. it's it's good to talk about these things and it's good to reflect and and kind of do a refresh on songs that we might have taken for granted all this time, including Baby It's Cold Outside, which there are new versions of this song done by popular artists every single year. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, you know, in terms of those lyrics, like you said, it, it's how, uh, how th- times change and, and how things change and how they get interpreted. I think as I, as I look at that song, and I've heard it, of course, this, this year again as well, uh, the one line that really gets me, 
really bothers me <laughs> from any of the saw lyrics in there is, is, hey, what's in this drink? That's the one that really gets me because of exactly what you were saying about the date rape thing, you know, and, and uh, that's the, the one line that really stands out for me, even though I know the, the situation has been called in uh, by other people. But that's the one thing that stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to make matters a little bit worse for this song, it depends on who's singing it, mm. um, can reflect everything as well. Right. You know, when, when Dean Martin sings it and when he sung it back in 1959, he had the, um, he he had the popularity of being a boozer. Yeah. You know, somebody with an alcohol problem. Sure. With but it was all fake. Mm. You know, he was sober for the rest of the time except for when he acted for comedy reasons, um, like like a drunk person. Oh. Um, even back then, the the thought of laughing at somebody being drunk was okay. It mm. was acceptable. Right. Um, now, of course, you know, people would say, you know, we shouldn't be laughing at somebody that has an alcohol problem. We should right. be bringing them into a meeting. Yeah. But, you know, since then, you know, there's been so many versions of that song from Brett Eldridge back in 2016. Tom Jones did one in 1999. The curious one for me is Adina Menzel and Michael Bublé, and they recorded their duet back in 2014. Adina, you know, was the voice of Frozen, that huge mm. Disney film. Mm -hmm. And she's a Broadway star. She's, uh, you know, a, a Grammy nominee and, and a Tony Award winner. There are are there are kids um, whose parents let them listen to that song because of who sung it. So if the voice of Frozen, if you like Frozen, well, then maybe it's okay or no reason to not have them listen to this song mm -hmm. as well. And that's where psychologists and doctors and, and people that work in sexual assault centers will tell you that, you know, when, when kids you know, between the ages of, say, six and 10, start listening to that version back in 2014. Well, now that's six years ago, and now they're teenagers. Mm. So do they, does a song reflect now how they treat one another? Does it make it okay for a boy who's a teenager to be Put, to put a woman in that situation because they've kind of grown up with that song. It, it, I know it's a stretch. I know people might be thinking, oh, Eric, dude, it's just a song. But it's not. Because whether it's a song or a film that's popular or a TV show that's popular or a book that's popular, that seeps into our psyche as a collective group of people and as a community, as a city, as a province, as a, as a country. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I agree. I've often thought about that, just like what you were saying, whether it's a book, whether it's a film, whether it's a, a song, um, whether it's a, 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 some kind of an animated film that depicts things in a certain way, like take, for instance, the violence that we see all over the place. Uh, you know, that's a, I think that's a perfect example that has we accept it now. We just accept that stuff. And it speaks to the responsibility that we have as a society. Yeah, it, it speaks to the responsibility now, mm. like as we are talking in 2020 mm. about how we perceive songs. Oh, I'll give you another example. One of my all-time favorite holiday classics is Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid, <laughs> right. which came out in, two, in 1984. Mm. In, in, at that time, it was the biggest 
all-star song in music history. Everybody I loved as mm. a teenager. I was 14 when that song came out. Duran Duran, Bob Geldof, Ultravox, Phil Collins, um, uh, Sting, Paul Weller. Everybody was involved with that. But now, you know, I'd never heard of any controversy with that song until this year. And it comes from the fact that the line, you know, there won't be snow in Africa right. this Christmas time right. seemed to be very fleeting. It's like this is what they were doing. They were raising money for famine relief in Ethiopia. Um, but now we see it as, you know, potentially an accusation that everywhere in Africa is going through the same problems. Mm-hmm. Africa is a easy place to name for all situations going on in that continent, as opposed to its own unique culture of Ethiopia. Mm. And so when you talk about um, when you talk about Nairobi, when you talk about South Africa, when you talk about certain cities in town there that aren't really affected by the famine. But it would be like saying the problem in Vancouver is Canada's problem. And it's really not. I mean, it is, but it's it's. It's one of those symptomatic racism ideas that allows people to think that Africa must be saved, mm-hmm. that that all of these, for the most part, white singers, mostly male, are coming to Africa to save them from themselves. In fact, there was only one African-American um, artist that was in there, and that was Jody Watley, and she was American, and mm. she just happened to be there um, at the time that they were recording. Mm. So the ability to say you know, the word Africa in a way that we would never say Europe or Asia or right. Canada or North America is troubling to some, and it's something that for 30 years, I have never even taken a second glance or a thought of it. Eric, who were the creators of that song? Uh, Bob Geldof from the, mm. Boontown, right. from the Boomtown Rats and Midjur from Ultravox. Mm. And, and what did they say about that? I'm sure they got that, if they've heard that criticism, what, what, what did they say? Well, if anybody asked Bob Geldof, he would probably tell them, <laughs> he probably start off with a swear word <laughs> followed by off. Um, Midjur <laughs> Um, because nobody really tells Bob Geldof what to do or mm. say. I mean, mm. he he's he's built his whole career right. based on on not necessarily being arrogant, but mm. doing what he wants to do right. um, and just trying to help out people. Right. He would probably say that the African government didn't really help them that much either, and mm. that the world needed a bunch of of you know ragtag rock stars in order to help them out. Mm. Midjur um, would be, I think, a little bit more um, beneficial to that conversation because he would probably say in the moment Africa is what everybody used. It was what the BBC was using. Mm. It was what all of the major news outlets, whether they're mainstream or underground, Mm. that's what we would say. Mm. Um, So that goes back to the whole, you know, let's continue to get better. Let's continue to be better and, and know that words, can change over the course of the year, even when we're talking about a city or a country or a continent. Right. Eric, before we go any further, I, I would like to ask you, uh, because you're the go-to guy for, for music, for, uh, for all kinds of, uh, many of the mainstream, uh, television and, and, uh, shows like CTV, Rogers, Balshaw, uh, all these, these places, places turn to you for your expertise. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How, how, how and why is this so interesting to you and how did you get involved with it? 
Um, I've always loved music. My grandfather started uh, a bar and a venue in Toronto called Grossman's Tavern mm-hmm. that's still there. And uh, I got the music bug really, really early on. And it wasn't the fact that I wanted to suddenly get up and play music because I had no musical talent back then. And I still don't. You put me <laughs> in the studio and I am completely useless. I have no <laughs> musical talent whatsoever. But music to me was a part of of, of the of, a, of being in a community. And music told stories. So when I got a subscription to billboard magazine when i was 12 years old Mm. it wasn't about memorizing the charts even though i did that it was really about you know reading about the record labels and the artists and the people that made the industry tick and it fascinated me it was like my version of star wars Mm. where a kid sees star wars and suddenly they're just a sci-fi fan for the rest of their life teaching them the differences between good and evil for me i learned about the world through music and so i just kept you know, having that interest in starting a PR company the day after I left uh, York University back in the early in mid, in the mid nineties, and have been doing it ever since. Mm. Well, I didn't realize you went to York. I went to York as well. Yeah, York was great. I got into a bunch of schools, but I went to York because I had seven campus newspapers and two radio stations on campus. <laughs> and I realized that if I'm ever going to do something in the music industry, that is going to be my education. Right. It's going to be where um, where I learned how to do the things that I think I needed to do, even though that a lot of it was just theory for me. Mm. I still think on the radio. I'm still like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a very polished guy to begin with but but it allowed me to just continue to 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 fuel my passion you know what i think there's nothing wrong with being unpolished i think that uh you know we all have our unique characteristics and that's what comes through in our personalities i mean you can't be that bad eric you do have a serious xm show right so that eric and and i'm talking to you so (laughs) you know about Christmas music being Jewish. So, you know, the, the world is a, is, a, is a fun place to be. It sure is. And, um, and you know, we actually uh, are going to be doing a, an interview with uh, a couple of Arab women uh, singing Christmas songs uh, written by Jewish people. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's I, I a, think they're all written by Jewish people. Yeah, no, you know, <laughs> you know, except for like Fairy Tale of New York by the Bogues. Right. I mean, that, I mean, you want to talk mm. about a song that year after year continually gets people offended because mm. of their derogatory terms relating to gender and sexuality. Right. Like there's a song right there, um, not written by a Jewish person, mm. um, you know, um, but, but it's, it, it's interesting, you know, like, you know, cause when you, when you and I, we were kicking around this idea and I was going back, it was like, it, there's so many nursery rhymes that we, mm-hmm. that we used to sing as kids mm-hmm. without a, thought to how absolutely horrendous they were or fairy tales like i saw mummy kissing santa claus Mm -hmm. was like if you think about it like this is like a kid looking at his mother cheating on her thought on his father or his or her father um santa claus is coming to town you know seemingly innocent song but it has one goal of mine to terrify your child to do good for the sake of, of rewards in a physical sense of presence. There are psychologists and psychiatrists that will say you do not reward that. Look, I, when I first got my first dog, they said, don't reward your dog with treats. Like, the, And we're, we're singing these songs over and over again. So, you know, maybe the next time right. that everybody starts singing these songs together, they'll, you know, somebody will invariably stop and say, what, what, what are we singing about here? Right, right. Before you go any further, I want to let everyone know that you're listening 
to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a, a great pleasure to have with us here on the show and with me on the show, Mr. Eric Alper. And uh, he is, uh, well, he has his own show on Sirius XM and uh, that Eric Alpert. Also, uh, he is the go-to guy uh, for many of the uh, media people. He's a commentator for CTV, for Rogers, for Bell, for Shaw. And uh, he's been around a long time. He's, you know, he represents a lot of artists uh, as well. And um, it's, so it's a pleasure to have him on the show. Talk, talking about Christmas and, and uh, the songs associated with the holiday season. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to more and more, Eric, refer to this as a holiday season, not the Christmas season anymore, because it, it, it you know, we've seen even changes in films. If you look at the way some of the films that have been coming out uh, that talk around, uh, that are around even Christmas, but they're including people that are not necessarily Christian anymore. You see that inclusiveness happening. Um, do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think Hallmark this year, there are a lot of films that are coming out this year um, featuring BIPOC characters, Mm -hmm. featuring gay and lesbian characters, featuring everybody from the LGBTQ plus community, um, working with those communities to ensure that they're entertaining first and foremost, but as authentic and non-offensive as possible, Um, especially when we're living in the age of social media, where one line can destroy your company, not necessarily in terms of just the stock price, but in a boycott. Right. Um, and, and people who who work in the public sector have to be, um, they've got to be concerned with things like cancel culture because it's real and it's terrifying. You know, mm. comedians um, this year have been more outspoken against the fact that what they do is tell jokes first, you know, and stop story you know um Mm. and that um there should be a free space that allows people to tell those jokes knowing that if it's offensive it's probably doing their job there's Mm. you know comedians Mm. that will Mm -hmm. say that there is nothing that they are not right that they should not be allowed to joke about in films and tvs it's very very different you have to be very worried and very concerned um and making sure that you don't offend anybody because not only can it take down that company but it can stop actors and actresses from ever working again Mm. right do you think we're going to see more of an inclusive and more of an opening uh an appreciation and other music coming to the to the forefront at, at this time of year yeah, I do. You know, artists artists have realized for uh, in the last 10 years or so that uh, recording holiday music is a gift that keeps on giving their own bank account. <laughs> um, it, it never goes away. It, it is certainly, um, you know, the most popular kind of music that mm. I've listened to for the last number of months. In fact, you know, right now, when you look at the iTunes or Apple charts, six of the top 10 songs right now are Christmas and holiday songs with mm. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, right. Wham's Last Christmas, mm. Brenda Lee's Rocking Around the Christmas right. Tree, and a bunch of Michael Buble songs as well. Um, so, the you know, holiday music will continue. What will be fascinating, and it won't happen this year because pretty much everything is out that that is going to be out. But for next year... I'm looking at to see if somebody from a um, a 
a past marginalized community or mm. an undervalued or underappreciated community start to break through right. based on having their own sense of Christmas or holiday songs identity, mm. meaning that can somebody from the indigenous community write a song that breaks through mm. simply because of them mm. being able to push through a, a, a song to that meaning can an artist like a twin flames or crystal mm. shawanda or even alexis lynn um or paul star do a song that breaks through because it's a it's an amazing holiday song not necessarily because it's them writing it and can they start to transform the meaning of a holiday song saying this is what the holidays mean to me specifically right. growing up as an indigenous artist and or somebody from the LGBTQ plus community writing their own version of a holiday classic. Mm. Um, the best songs might not have been written back in 1950s or 60s. It sure seems like it, um, but you know, maybe now more than ever before, that it's so it's so much easier to get your song out there, to mm. get it heard, to mm. get it on certain platforms. Mm. Um, that we might be able to see, you know, a brand new holiday classic come from somebody who we would never expect to come from talking right. about not universal issues, but how those songs are easily related back to them. Mm, interesting. Uh, there's a couple other things I was hoping to talk to you about, and I want to get them on here, but we're quickly running out of time. Uh, there's a song that I've heard uh, over, it's a Bing Crosby song, and it's about Hawaii. Uh, Malakamiki Maka, do you know that one? It, yep. It's the thing to say. It, what what do you what do you think of of something like that? It's not necessarily an offensive song, but it, is it is it appropriating the culture? You know, um, it, it's it's interesting. I've had this conversation with with artists mm. um, all the time about the the appropriating culture, and the mm. artists will always, to a T, say that without appropriating other people's culture, music just doesn't exist in the mm. way that it does. Elvis took from the blues. Mm. Somebody else took from Elvis. Mm. You don't have to be black or white in order to understand how music operates. Mm -hmm. But I will say though that I think that something like Bing Crosby's song right now might be deemed by those people on social media mm. as cultural appropriation. Right. And I'm not 100% convinced that it would be pushed out in the same way right. if social media doesn't exist right now. Right. And, you know, uh, again, going back to the holiday season, one of my favorite songs that I love to hear at this time of year is Adam Sandler's Happy Hanukkah song. <laughs> it's just a great song. I love it. Yeah, you know... Um, well, not only is it a history lesson of all the Jewish people in Hollywood, which is so great, um, but that's that's what it that's what it takes. Mm. You know, it takes somebody who's really popular, um, giving a new slant on a holiday song to be able to do that. It's funny. It's light. It's yeah. humorous. It's yeah. a great tune. Yeah. And I think that that's what people have to start thinking of if they want to start creating their next holiday classic. Yeah, it is a classic for sure. Uh, Eric, such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I look to uh, speaking with you again in the future on, on other things that we can uh, talk about. Oh, happy to talk to you, David. I truly appreciate it. Keep up the great work and everybody there at Element FM and have a happy holiday to everybody there and all the, the uh, listeners, too. That is the voice of Eric Alper, the Eric Alper. And he, uh, of course, is uh, involved in media and public relations and has been doing so for quite a number of years. A pleasure to talk to him about the holiday season and about uh, holiday songs. That's this part of the program. Please don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this.
Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show here on Moment of Truth, in the spirit of the season, I might add, we have a couple of uh, entertainers with us that uh, have put out a new single, and in in a very sort of traditional manner, um, it is called Friggin' Arab Orchestra Company, and it consists of <laughs> Miriam Toller and Rula Said, and it's a pleasure to welcome them to the show. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, of course, ladies, you are doing uh, this single, Arab Ladies Singing Christmas Carols Written by Jews. Can you guys tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit about how this all came about? Rula, I'll let, well, the song itself came from Rula's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll let Rula tell that story. Okay. <laughs> well, just some years ago, um, I mean, I, I'm married to uh, David Bookbinder, who is Jewish mm-hmm. and, and was, uh, you know, has been for many years involved in Jewish culture and, mm-hmm. um, and myself being Palestinian uh, before David, I didn't really have a lot to do with Jewish culture at all, but uh, I became um, more aware of things that might not have been on my radar uh, because of David and because of our other friends of ours who were involved in the world of uh, Jewish culture, Yiddish culture, mm. people like Dave Wall and Aviva Chernik. Mm. And we, I'm, I learned somehow through all these connections that all these Christmas carols that uh, these these well-loved kind of modern day uh, uh, classic Christmas uh, mm-hmm. songs, Christmas carols, were written by Jewish composers, which right. I didn't know. Yeah, and then uh, and then and then I just kept seeing Miriam and I making this kind of comic uh, recording called "Arab Ladies Sing Christmas Carols Written by Jews." I just thought, now that would take it to a whole other level, and so <laughs> I was sort of you know, gently nudging Miriam saying, come on, like, we got to do this one of these days. But of course, you know, life gets busy. Mm. And anyway, it just, uh, over the pandemic, you know, we've been, we actually share a house um, and we've been going on these walks and creating these kind of funny organic kind of videos that happened out of our friendship and our little kooky Falk uh, project together. And it seemed like now the context was right for this, thing that I'd been dreaming of for the last few years. And then we decided, well, why, you know, why try to get licensing and mechanicals and everything for the, the, the classic Christmas songs? Let's just make our own. <laughs> That's called that. And then we can do the other ones later when <laughs> we have time, you know, so... Yeah, so that's and, what happened. And so, so COVID provided the perfect perfect opportunity for you guys to finally get together on this and do something. Finally, with it. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, just with the title, uh, it, it's hilarious right off the start. And so, um, I, I want to play a little bit of this. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Bob and Doug, if you don't mind me saying, <laughs> in the introduction oh, of the way oh, you guys no, approach. I love Bob and Doug. Kendi. I'm <laughs> honored that you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. It's a little bit of the ladies singing Arab ladies singing Christmas carols written by Jews. Hi, Rola. Hi, Amari. I really like the bright Christmas lights. I know. I love Christmas. Do you love Christmas? I love it so much even though I'm from a Muslim family and I love singing all of those Christmas carols. Do you know something, Amari? What? 
songs that a lot of the Christmas carols we love were written by Jewish composers. Mm-hmm. That's right. When it's Christmas time and there's so much snow and you got no place to go. All the shops are closed, you go to red, red nose and you don't want to catch a cold or COVID. You see the city so bright, it's like the Broadway lights and you get some inspiration. It must have been a lot of fun going through the writing process on this. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. Um, well, really, like she said, was talking about it for a long time. And then when we finally decided this is the year to do it, I was just sitting in my kitchen and the first uh, kind of very close to what you heard the shape of that first verse came to me and I just sang it into my phone and sang it to Rilla. Mm. And, um, and then she took it and uh, ran with it. And like the whole song developed actually very quickly. And then we just started rehearsing with our family band. Cause we have um, my son plays uh, double bass and Rilla's mm. daughter plays guitar and my husband plays piano. So we uh, started rehearsing it and Rilla um, asked her husband, David, if he could make an arrangement for it. And it actually came together very quickly, um, which is good because we didn't have a lot of time yeah. <laughs> to get it out on time. And it was really a lot of fun. Um, when we were in the studio recording it, we were always laughing. And mm-hmm. we just actually finished the music video. Filming it yeah. all over Toronto it was very yeah, fun. Yeah, it was really <laughs> uplifting. And now, of course, you you get into the spirit as well as through the characters of of this piece when you perform it, and uh, there is a, there's a poster that goes. So you you guys are dressed up uh, a little bit, uh, and, and I'm sure that we're going to see that in the video as well. Oh yes, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, be we some... are totally in character. In fact. <laughs> Those characters take over all the time. Like, I can even feel her coming out right now. <laughs> we were even I don't even know what happens. I just I start talking like her. Out we of were thinking, room. should we do the interview yeah, in our voices? I don't know. Real voices? Our folk? What's the difference? Yeah, Who cares? Don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, uh, so and, and by the way, people can uh, actually download this. They can purchase it on Bandcamp. Uh, it's one of the sites, but it's going to be on also uh, on other uh, music sites as well, correct? Yes, it's up now everywhere. They can hear it on Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, YouTube. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't even know all the platforms. I just put it on CD Baby and then they mm. put it everywhere. Right. We definitely encourage people to go to Bandcamp because Bandcamp is uh, great for artists. Yes, we absolutely. We give them a big thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Bandcamp. And um, yeah, they can. it's downloaded for a buck or yep. like we like to tell the people, or, you know, give us a million dollars if you really want to. <laughs> and it's up to you. <laughs> you, you know, we're we're talking. Any money can listen for just free. Listen to it. Yeah, just <laughs> enjoy. enjoy. It. Yeah, in the spirit of the season, right? But uh, yeah. also, yeah, it, it's a great song, and and we wish you all the best with it, of course. So, listen, what kind of reaction have you been getting so far? Great. Yeah. Yeah, people are loving it. We are getting messages, Arabs and non-Arabs, and Jewish people and non-Jewish mm. people, and all kinds of people are reacting to it. Mm. So far, yeah, enjoying it very much. Yeah, I just shared it with a filmmaker friend in Turkey, so hopefully she'll <laughs> she'll start. It's going to be a big hit in Turkey. It in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, even before the song, mm. 
Rilla and I would make these short videos in those characters all through the pandemic, just anything that would come up or that was on our mind that was on other people's minds, probably too. Mm -hmm. like any questions we had, we as those characters would ask them and talk about how we're dealing with them and stress and all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So we started getting a following. I bet. Just from those uh, comedic videos. And so we're going to with our Christmas video, we're going to launch a YouTube channel and upload all of those videos so people can have Falk TV. (laughs) That's great to hear and and congratulations. But, you know, even more than that, I'm glad you mentioned about these ladies uh, sorting, sort of taking going beyond this, that you've already got these characters for them that you're developing, that you're talking about other things, because I could definitely see this. Uh, potentially developing into something more than just about this holiday song, ladies. Oh, yeah, for sure. We already have ideas. We have, like, an advice show. We have a cooking segment. We have interviewing people Mm. we know. That's right. That's right. Stay tuned. Maybe we're going to interview you you next. You're going to get an interview. That's right. That's right. Well, be happy to do so if I could keep up with you. That's for sure. Um, so this is wonderful, and congratulations! I, I can't, uh, I can't say enough about how exciting this is. Do you think this song has the potential to become uh, another Christmas classic? I really hope so. I think so. that's my dream. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. I, we're fantasizing about when once there isn't a bloody pandemic and we can go shopping, we're going to hear it in the store. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at winners or <laughs> whatever. In the, in the, at the metro. The Valley Village, wherever you go. The Valley Village, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, Arab ladies singing Christmas carols written by Jews and it consists of Marion Toller and Rula Saeed. And, you know, off the top, we talked about how I mispronounced your name and I apologize for that, but I, I, I might have been a little bit cautious just about trying to pronounce the friggin Arab Orchestra Company <laughs> abbreviation <laughs> because you could slip on that one real easy. Oh, so yeah. that's kind yeah. of on purpose. Yeah. Um, of course. You mean Falk? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it could have been just the Arab Orchestra Company, but you had to put the friggin in front of it, right? You had to. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Mm. Well, it was a play. There's lots of Arab orchestras. And so we thought, we're going to be the friggin' Arab orchestra. <laughs> but that's boring, Fau. So I mm-hmm. added the C <laughs> so that it, I could say Falk. <laughs> and then we just, and then we were thinking, we should change the name because it's too much of an inside joke. But then we thought, but Falk is so much fun. We don't. So then we were like, well, maybe we'll, maybe Falk could mean anything else. And then mm. we even, sometimes we even put up when we post something, we'll say, what does Falk stand for? Is it freaking Arab Orchestra Company? Is it freaking awesome old crones? Right. Is it, you know, right. or you decide, you tell us what it stands for. Yeah. Kind of like, we like Falk. Yeah. So if you put in uh, F-A-O-C on YouTube uh, or Falk Toronto or something, you might get the fracture and orthopedic clinic. <laughs> but no, you'll find it. You'll find it uh, on, definitely on Facebook if you hashtag Falk. Mm. And uh, and on YouTube, uh, FAOC as well. Falk. Don't say the other word. I won't say the other word. Please, the other Marianne. word is not allowed on the public the radio. Yeah. We won't say it. That <laughs> uh, hashtag in there somewhere. You'll find us. Well, you know, we're almost out of time, and I want to play back some of some more of the song as we as we leave the show as well. 
You better um, play it, David, because what are we here for? <laughs> We're here to waste our time. You're going to play the song. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And, and congratulations right. once again. And thanks so much for, uh, for putting this together and, and lifting our spirits at this time of year. Thank oh, you so thank much you for so having much, us. David. Thank you for appreciating our folly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not at all. I had to, like I said, as soon as I saw this, I went, okay, we got to get these guys on the show. This is great. <laughs> okay, well, take care and happy holidays to the two of you. Happy holidays you. to you happy too, holidays. dear. And a happy right. 2021 to us all. Okay, yes, like, like yeah. for sure. Let's hope it's a lot better than this last year has been. A Which, lot broken better. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> They are the voices of Miriam Toller and Rula Saeed. And they are the ladies that have made up uh, FAOC, Friggin' Arab Orchestra Company. And they're a single that is now out. You can get on uh, on Bandcamp. Uh, the Arab ladies singing Christmas carols written by Jews. I recommend it to everyone. We're going to go out with a little bit of the song again so you can get a sense of that. And I just want to thank uh, Miriam and uh, Rula for uh, taking the time to join us on the show once again. And thank you for listening to our show each and every day right here on Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses, and this is Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM.